Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to episode 12 of TV I Say with Ashley Ray. Here we are, another episode as the theme song goes. Today we have Cooper Peltz, the host of PA Nation, a wonderful podcast that debuted that's all about TV PAs and their stories and what they do. Obviously interesting to me here on TV I Say. I love all things TV and they have the stories I want to hear. So we'll get to Cooper's interview very soon. But first up on the list, we have the watch list. This is the list of everything that I watched over the last week, which surprisingly not too long of a list. I actually I watched a lot of movies <laughs> and documentaries. And like I said, those don't count on this podcast. We are TV club. Not too heavy of a list of TV shows to get into this week. First up on the list is The Night Stalker, which debuted on Netflix. I have to be real. You know I love true crime. You know that I love a true crime documentary. I love a murder mystery. In fact, Cooper and I talk a lot about Murder on Middle Beach, one of my favorites later in the pod. But The Night Stalker, it it just didn't do it for me. It's just not a very interesting story. Someone, one of my friends had tweeted, you know, it, it makes the case that not every serial killer is a compelling subject for a documentary because it has so little to say about him who he was. It doesn't have anything to say about the victims or the people left behind or sort of the impact on these families that much. It's really just sort of about the shock and awe of the gruesomeness. And a lot of it is cops patting themselves on the back, which is weird because most of it is like, oh, these cops like did not do their jobs well. And that's how he kept being able to kill people. And ultimately, it was like, even when they knew who he was, it was, you know, ultimately like them putting his picture out and people in the community finding him that did it. It's weird. It's very like pro cop in a way that just uh, there's like one part where they're like bragging about like police brutality of like a witness they were trying to interview. And this cop is like, yeah, I beat the shit out of him. And he gave me the name. And then you realize like, Oh, but if you had like properly interrogated him, you probably would have gotten more information like where the guy was (laughs) or like anything more helpful. (laughs) But no, instead, these cops are just like, we were badasses. You know, we got these guys. And it's just like, uh, okay. But yeah, the Night Stalker doc, it wasn't really for me. Uh, I think there's better ones out there. So yeah. Uh, Search Party Season 4 premiered on HBO Max. 
If you are not caught up, I would recommend watching all of Search Party. It's one of my favorite shows. I covered season three for Vulture. It's season four. It's so good. There were some things with season three and, you know, season three came back after this like really long hiatus. Tonally, the show had grown and shifted and wanted to take on different themes, but it also still had this like basis as like a very much skewering of millennial experiences. And this new season just kind of like wipes the slate clean, addresses a lot of the things last season that were, you know, a little shaky, but then just grows on the things that are so good. And I wrote about it in the newsletter, the moment in one of the episodes that just changed my life. There's like this magic kiss that happens. And John Early, who's involved in the kiss, did an interview where he said it was totally improvised. And that moment, I'm not going to share too much. I want you to go watch it. But that moment, that's when I knew Search Party forever. One of my favorite shows. Moving on next on the list is WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. Okay, I'm going to be real with you guys. I've really like never watched an MCU movie, the Marvel Universe. I don't even know. Yeah, the MCU, whatever. I watched Endgame. I saw Endgame. That's like the only one I've seen really. So I have no idea who these people are, except I know that they are related to this superhero universe. So I don't know what's going on. If I'm being honest, I have no clue what's going on. I'm enjoying it because I love Catherine Hahn. She's there, so I'm having a good time. But I really... No idea what's going on. Some people on Twitter were nice enough to explain to me that I guess they're like very powerful superheroes. And so this might be like a like a thing they created to sur- survive. But hey, I'm sure we're going to figure it out together. Whenever it gets to the end of an episode, I'm like, oh, I think I get what's going on. And then the episode ends and I'm like, wait, wait. <laughs> I thought I was just starting to get it. <laughs> But I like it so far. Next up is Bling Empire. I watched Bling Empire on Netflix, just premiered. I'm not a big fan of rich people reality shows, as I've said on the pod previously. And this is very much a just a reality show purely about rich people. You know, like I love Selling Sunset because, you know, they at least tell us these people have jobs and we're watching them because we want to technically see them do work. (laughs) But Bling Empire, I mean... (laughs) Uh, there's like one part where a girl is just like yeah so like i fly my ponies emirate and so yeah ponies are so expensive to fly around and like this other lady is like oh i wanted to take my friend to dinner so i just like flew her to paris to my favorite restaurant and i it's you know i think like mr mayor that premiered on nbc it's one of those shows that is just bad timing you know It's like, if this had come out at the beginning of quarantine, I probably would have been like, oh, this is entertaining and it's silly nonsense. But for it to come out at this stage in quarantine where I'm just like, we're all tired and people are stressed about money and Twitter is just like an endless debate of people being like, but do people deserve $15 an hour? And then to turn on this show where and it's not the show's fault, you know, you can't help world timing. But then to just like try to watch this, I just couldn't get into it. So hey, maybe another time when I need something distracting to watch, I'll give Bling Empire another shot. Next on the list, Disenchantment, which had a second season that just premiered. There's new episodes out. But I actually just started with the first. I did not watch the show when it first came out. So I'm just giving it a go for the first time. And it's pretty fun so far. I'm excited to get to the new episodes. So once I get to the second season, I'll, I'll give you some full thoughts. And then finally on the list is The Boondocks. It was MLK Day on Monday. So I always like to revisit the MLK episode of The Boondocks. It's one of my favorite things in the world. 
And it just, it delivered like it does every time. I think I always just, I've seen it so many times and still every time when he gets in, when he's doing the speech and he gets to the part where he just is like, black entertainment television is one of the worst things I've seen in my life. I just laugh every time. I can see that scene 50 million times, one after the other. And I will still always laugh at that line and the delivery. It's brilliant. So yeah, Boondocks, you know, if you didn't watch that for MLK, hey, you know, revisit it this weekend. It's always a good time. That's it for the watch list. Now is when I usually do the clip of the week. I haven't been doing a clip of the week because there hasn't been that much like weekly TV back. There's been a lot of just, you know, streaming things debuting. Obviously, my clip for this week would be the kiss from Search Party. But like, I can't really share audio of that moment because, you know, it's so visual. So, you know, go watch that Search Party moment and then go read about what what I wrote about it in the newsletter. Because that's the clip of the week. But I guess I can't make you listen to a three-way kiss over a podcast. So go enjoy that. But before you do, why don't you enjoy this interview with Cooper Pelt? Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. TV I Say with Ashley Ray. I am here with Cooper Peltz. So excited to have you on the pod. You have just launched your own podcast last month. Yes. Yay uh, Nation. Yes. I'm so excited to have you here to talk about. As someone who loves TV, I was telling you this, I never think about PAs. Don't think about you guys. Yeah, that's how we like it, really. Like, we don't, <laughs> we're not there for the spotlight, you know? And yeah, it's funny because it's like, you start out with all this kind of like group of PAs that become your friends. And then all of a sudden you see people becoming like stand-ups or writers or directors or whatever. And then you're like, Oh wait, I worked my first job with this person and now they're on like comedy central or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it's like fun tracking that. And we have really fun guests that like, I didn't start out with like we have John Gabris on. I don't really know John Gabris, but he started out as a PA on the best week ever. Like I love the 80s. I feel like that would be such a fun show to be a PA on just all the people coming through that show. Exactly. Yeah. And he like the crazy thing is that he was doing like shows at UCB during that time. And so he was like hanging out with those people outside of work, but then in work, it was like he was so many rungs below them, like as far as like the hierarchy goes on the yeah. show. So it's that weird like power imbalance and like dynamics and stuff like that that we get into. And it's been a really fun show so far. Yeah, I've always kind of wondered this. I mean, like, I don't know, do like super nerds, like super TV nerds, do they go crazy over PAs? Like if you go to Comic Con or people <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I recognize you from the credits of this. <laughs> like, um, not really, but it is fun going like I worked on the Walking Dead 
talk show after show. And I was on the team that would produce their Comic-Con panels. And so I've been to Comic-Con like the last three years. Wow. And it is really fun to like be behind the scenes and kind of see that everyone freaking out for the actors and stuff like that and be, be like, I work on the show too. And now I can just like kind of be incognito on the floor walking around looking at different comics and stuff. So I don't know if I would trade that kind of like being not well known or anything like that for being well known, I guess. I, I like the the kind yeah. of like incognito thing that comes with working behind the scenes. I like that too. I always like being known as a writer where people are just kind of like, oh, I write, I'm behind the scenes, I'm in the room, you don't really see me versus, oh, I saw you in this or, you know, I don't want to be recognized. Like, I'm yeah. just like, you know, leave me alone. I make the art. I'm really curious. So how does someone become a PA? I feel like, like you said, a lot of people, I guess, kind of use it as a stepping stone. Yeah. But how do you, I don't other, I, I know, you know, there's like Larry David's daughter. She had yeah. a father who got her in. How do other and, people get in? The you know, door? that's the hardest, you know, existence from uh, what I've kind of gathered is being the daughter of someone incredibly famous. I think that's probably oh, yeah. like, you know, you're lowest kind of choice on the whole list of choices to break into the industry. But yeah, like for me, it was like I knew a guy that I did theater with growing up and he was like an associate producer on The Walking Dead talk show. And so I just like hounded him for like a year and a half just being like, hey, like, can we just like get coffee? And I just am like really curious about all this stuff. It was like during college. And he eventually kind of came around to the idea of me actually wanting to work on the show. So it's a lot of that. It's a lot of groundwork that you have to put in, in my case, because I didn't go to school for TV or film or anything yeah. like that. It was just like a lot of groundwork of being like, hey, I'm just like curious about this. Would love to like hear your thoughts on like how you kind of went about getting your first jobs and stuff like that. But then people that I've talked to on PA Nation and then people that I just like know, like people that go to Emerson or people that go to like Columbia. Uh, Emerson, yeah, Emerson for sure. Yeah, Emerson. Like that's like a huge, you're pretty well connected if you ever move out to LA. And so, yeah, there are just so many different ways that you can kind of go about it. But for my story, it was like very much kind of like starting at literally like zero, like just not knowing anyone in production and being like, I just really hope I can do this someday. Yeah. I mean, was was it just like a real love and passion for television that got you into it? Listeners, you can't see this, but Cooper is wearing a community hoodie. <laughs> I um, am. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you Good know, catch. a Greendale Community College hoodie, very insider TV baseball here. Uh -huh. So was that <laughs> what kind of, you know, made you want to be a PA? Where, where did you always just like love TV? Yeah, I did. It was one of those things where... I've been listening to your show and it's been kind of this thing of me going back and being like, okay, what were the things that really got me excited about TV and film and stuff like that? And it was, I was homeschooled growing up. And so I didn't have like a whole lot of like socializing going on. And so I like grew these really intense, very fake bonds with these characters that I would watch in like TV shows and in movies, especially like, I remember Spy Kids was like a big thing that I was like, really, all those characters, I was just like, oh, I just wish I could be friends with them. And then growing up like Drake and Josh and like Zoe 101 and like any of like Dan Schneider shows, I was just like, because it's all like kind of based around school and like socializing and like friends. And it was all things that like were fantasies to me, essentially, you know? Yeah. And so 
It was that kind of longing for that life that kind of kept me watching these different shows. And and that was like kind of my end there was like this. It was almost like this fantasy life of friends and and stuff like that. That's how I I feel like I always was with family sitcoms because I just had like a single mom and she had a daycare in our house, which your your house being filled with other people's kids all day is the opposite of like growing pains. It's the opposite of like any lovely family sitcom. And I just used to watch them and be like, Oh my gosh, imagine a house where just your family lives in it and you have two parents. Yeah. This is a beautiful fantasy. Yeah. And yeah, that's, I think, why I always love TV. And yeah. It's an escape. Yeah. But I mean, your upbringing, that's a show in itself. I think if you haven't already written that, I think you should. Hey, you know, it's getting there someday. Somebody will buy it <laughs> and then I'll get to hire PAs on it. Yeah, like, exactly. I guess, what does a PA do? My understanding is they're basically like interns. People mm-hmm. treat them horribly. Mm-hmm. They get coffee. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. basically it? If you've ever done anything for yourself in real life, that's basically what a PA does for other people. Like if you've ever like gotten lunch for yourself, if you ever gone out to lunch for yourself, that's basically like what a PA does for other people. So it's yeah, it's a lot of coffee. It's a lot of getting lunches. It's a lot of setting up pop up tents and chairs and, you know, directors chairs and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like I treated it as my own film school because like I didn't yeah I didn't have the four years of like making short films and stuff like that it was just I treated those I was lucky and kind of like moved out of being a PA relatively quickly I think I was doing consistent PA work for maybe like nine months before I moved up but it was just like watching every job like whether it's the producers or the gaffers or the directors or whatever it is it was watching them and being like okay is that interesting to me is that something that i would like want to pursue and then kind of checking boxes of like okay no i don't want to be you know whatever it is like a post coordinator or whatever okay oh like the segment producers like that job seems pretty fun or like i think i could do that and then just like kind of worming my way into you know helping out those different producers that i felt like oh this is something that i want to end up doing that was like kind of my goal because it can feel like endless and tedious and just boring and not very fulfilling to be getting people lunch and stuff like that but if you can game it for yourself and be like okay this isn't actually i'm getting lunch for someone it's like i'm learning how to act in these situations by watching other people who are in these situations that was kind of how i looked at it And it was, yeah, Yeah. it was really like a helpful experience to know what to do and what not to do, like seeing the kind of monsters on set and being like, okay, that's uh, definitely not how I want to act if I'm ever, you know, an EP on something. That's not how you should treat people. Exactly. It it does seem like a position that's such a good sort of stepping stone into the industry for people who, you know, don't have those sort of gatekeepy Emerson connections or typical connections. And I've been kind of curious with a lot of the changes I've heard taking place on sets during COVID, it seems like that position is kind of at risk. You know, when everyone is like working and editing from their computer screens, you don't really need a PA to like bring you coffee because you're at home. Yeah, totally. A lot of my friends, that's like how I've been seeing like they're like, you know, it's, it's a lot of job insecurity right now. And it's been fun to see people that Like I have some friends that like are just coming out of college and they're the ones that are like getting these PA jobs, which is like kind of exciting for them because I'm like, I'm really 
pumped that they're not just like, you know, sitting around or whatever, which there's nothing wrong with that. And that's basically what I'm doing right now. (laughs) So like, I'm definitely in that boat. But seeing the people succeed in those areas is really exciting. And then seeing the kind of ingenuity and kind of like pivoting that some people are doing right now, whether it's focusing on their own writing or like I have friends that are like pivoting into like music or, you know, whatever it is. I think this time is definitely like, you know, that pressure that can sometimes create really good, fulfilling art and stuff like that. So that's what I'm like. That's my silver lining. And of course, everything's horrible and awful. And like, I'm depressed every day about everything. But it's like, that's a silver lining to look at, like when you feel like it, I guess. Yeah, just sort of the asterisk, like everything is bad, every creative industry is failing, but at least we're all kind of in it together. I mean, comedians can't do shows. It's just, I feel like as a whole, we're all just, yeah, I don't know. I hope they start shooting stuff again. I hope we get to do things again. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's cool because it's like having that kind of level playing field right now where like everyone's kind of scrambling to figure out new things. It kind of if you can bring yourself to like, look at it as like an opportunity where it's like, oh, I might be able to work with people that I probably otherwise wouldn't have. Like, that's what happened with my show with PA Nation. Like I'm working with Liz Maupin, who's a amazing producer. And I doubt that she would be down to work on this show. I don't know, maybe she would or like, maybe she would be down to work on it. But I doubt she would have time to work on it or something like that, you know, so taking advantage of those kind of like bringing this community together of like creative people and making stuff in the interim where maybe you don't have, you know, a network show that you can hop on or whatever, I think is another kind of interesting byproduct of just having everything shut down at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure everyone always wants to know this. What's your like most miserable PA story? (laughs) Oh, gosh. There are a lot. One of the first jobs I ever did was this pilot for... It's like the Country Music Channel or like... Oh, Great American like CMT or whatever. Yeah, yeah, something, one of those channels that's like very red state, you know, like. Yeah, and you're like shocked that they have actual TV shows and are yeah. just like showing infomercials. 24/7. Exactly. That's not just like gun commercials and stuff. Yeah. But it's like, it was this show about glamping, like glamorous camping. And it was like these two people, this man and woman. And I found out during the shoot that they used to date, but they weren't dating anymore. And there was this like weird dynamic between the two of them. And the production team was really small. It was like maybe three people and like a cinematographer. And I quickly learned that I was not only being like the PA to get lunches and whatever, but I was also going to have to build these glamping sets. Like it was just like me and the like on-air talent guy. We were the only people that worked on and we built like a full cabin like out in the middle of nowhere over like two days on like the central coast. And it was like 100 degrees. We were up in the mountains. Like I'm really happy I didn't get like bit by snakes or ticks. Or yeah. Something. And they, they can just make you do that. They can just. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's like it's no. It's so bizarre. Union. It's like, yeah. There's no union. Like, yeah, I feel like I'm sure on a union job that would not go over. But yeah, and it was like a non-union, like really low budget. I don't even remember what I made. I can't imagine I made more than minimum wage on it. But it was like, it was exhausting. And I, yeah, every night, like I would have to, (laughs) 
I would have to like take like an hour bath just to like decompress because like I'm not a physical person. Like I'm not a strong person. <laughs> and so like building these things uh, that I like have no business building was crazy. And the hotel that we stayed in was really cool, but also the room that I was in didn't have a lock on it. And it was like in the main right next to like where people would have breakfast and everything. And so people would just like come in thinking it was like a bathroom and I would just be like, in bed like <laughs> sorry this is like an actual like hotel this is a room. weird room yeah Did they, like throw you in a conference room with a bed seriously it was like it was so bizarre and there was all this taxidermy in my room there was a giant bear yeah it was like very very bizarre and then the next day i got on talking dead and i was like oh this is how like things should <laughs> things yeah, should work that glamping show ever actually make it to air i feel like so many of my pa friends are like yeah i spent like months working on this bullshit it's never gonna see the light of day like yeah great. yeah they aired it once at like 10 30 at night on like a tuesday and i missed it i wish i could see it <laughs> They like emailed me a few months later being like, oh, actually, you're in the episode. Can we get a release from you? Oh, and hey. I'm pretty sure I didn't respond. So I, I'm, I'm sure they just like showed my face without yeah, my consent. They just like, like probably blurred it out. Yeah. Like yeah. he's never going to watch this. He'll yeah, never exactly. know. But, hey, if yeah. you're if you're listening, try to find that episode. Let's get yeah, to the bottom. Of let's get to it. That was pretty wild. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. What's your like dream show to PA on right now? I guess what oh, would be if you could PA just, like, on any show. I would say, gosh, that's a good question. Well, one thing that I have really enjoyed over the quarantine is I discovered this show on HBO Max or whatever the HBO streaming services called The Great Pottery Throwdown. Have you seen? That? Oh yes. It's yes. the best it is so show. Good. Yes, The Great Pottery Throwdown is so good. I smile through the whole thing. Yeah. I watched the first season with my dad thinking it was the first season ever. And then once like the finale, we watched the finale and it was like season two. And we both like audit. We were both like, no, like, <laughs> so pumped about what yeah. there are three seasons three and seasons. they're shooting a fourth right now. I yeah. guess. It's so delightful. It's just such a thoroughly... And I love watching people do pottery. So Mm -hmm. I just like... It's relaxing. It just gives you... It makes you feel okay for a few minutes. There's the right amount of drama. There's like... Each contestant is just so lovely. And like... It's everything good about the baking... Like the Great British Baking Show. Oh, yeah. With something I'm a little bit more interested in. 
that show made me start doing pottery. Like I have a wheel now and like I do pottery. It's so fun. That's like a real investment. I used to do pottery in high school. I was so bad at it. I was horrible. I used to like make crooked bowls and bring them home. And my mom would just be like, yeah, I'm going to hide this in the basement. But my best friend was so good at it. Her parents bought her a wheel that she like had in her garage. And she would make these like giant, beautiful like vases and bowls. And I'd just be jealous. Like, God damn it, you talented (laughs) bitch. It's the coolest skill to be good at. Like, yeah. People who are just like whip, whip, whip with their hands. It's uh, so that, magical. It's yeah, like, like it's so Seth amazing. Rogan does it. He posts on Instagram all the yeah. time. And I will just watch these videos of him yeah. just like making a vase. And it's yeah. so relaxing. Just like pulling walls is like the coolest thing to watch. It's like a magic trick. It's like pulling something out of nothing. That, so yeah, if I could be around them. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. Like, And it's I, not one of the reality shows where like people are going to like throw glasses and drinks in yeah. each other's faces. Yeah, exactly. I really am happy that I have never had to work on one of those shows. Although I do have a friend that I think she's a PA. She may be doing something else, but I know you're into Selling Sunset. Oh, yeah. And she's the PA on that. And I want to ask her a, a whole bunch of questions about that. I would like to ask her a ton of questions. <laughs> oh, my up. God. She, I would imagine she has to, like, sign an NDA or something. Yeah, like, I'm sure. But, I just, you know, you can get around those. I truly don't believe any of those women actually sell houses. I think they are all just, like, actresses and yeah. someone else is, like, doing all the actual selling. And then they just <laughs> show up and they're like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. Christina, you stole my listing. yeah. I still love it, though. That's something that I struggle with watching like reality shows and like competition shows in general. So I was on... Do you know that show Destroy Build Destroy? It was on like Cartoon Network. It was basically like a revamped version of like Junkyard Wars. Did you ever watch that? Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) it was so much fun. But we didn't build anything. We like blew up a truck and like we're supposed to build a boat out of it. But we basically just like collected trash and then came back the next day and like they had built a boat for built us. A boat. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, I don't know how much of this stuff it like the actual like, PA hard work, actually you know? was the person who yeah. had to build that boat. I exactly, bet exactly, exactly. They did not sign a release. No. Yeah. Behind the veil, it, just all of it is so fake. Mm-hmm. I'm curious though, what other TV are you watching? What else has caught your attention? Okay, have you? been watching murder on middle beach yes oh my gosh i have been okay it is such a breath of fresh air having watched (laughs) the nonsense that is the vow like i oh my yeah so every episode i am just i'm riveted like last night i got like upset with my brother-in-law who like came in like halfway through and was like what is this and i was like shut shut up you have to pay attention every moment it's so good and as if you're a fan of the pod you know we are anti the vow here we are not for the vow on the podcast horrible yeah (laughs) horrible boring tedious hbo documentary and then murder on middle beach it just totally rethinks the way that modern murder mysteries can even happen when you have someone who you know is a living relative who is so young that they have you know dealt with this on social media on television mm-hmm. and at the same time they're accused their sister is accused their family's been torn apart oh it's just so good when you just point blank see him interviewing his aunts and he's yeah. just like did you do it and yeah. i mean from the beginning you think it's so obvious you're like yeah come on cops do your job and then yeah. by the latest episode episode three you're like yeah like, I truly have no idea like, yeah. who could have done this. The chilling, just like, yeah, this last episode, 
the chilling moment when his aunt is like, yeah, I carried a hammer for like years after. And he's like, why did you carry a hammer? She's like, I don't think I could ever stab someone, but I think I could probably hit someone with a hammer. You're like, how do you not know that's so incriminating? And then like his sister being like, when he asks his sister, like, do you have anything to say to the murderer? Who's like probably going to be watching this. She's like, do you have anything to say to the murderer? And it's like, oh, it's you. Yeah. It's just like, it's so... And it's like, so for I the don't, crowd, who, Well, who is your guess on who you think okay. did? Okay. And this, these aren't spoilers because we're all guessing. Yeah, so. we're all guessing. I really have no idea. Like, I could definitely see a world where it's like, it's none of them. Like, it's just like, he's trying to find meaning. It's like, it's basically like a search party-esque, trying to find meaning in things that like, aren't necessarily leading in the right direction. But I would love it. I wouldn't love it. I'm sorry about this whole family. Yes, no, it's, yes Al's very sad. It's, it's all very horrible. Specific. But it would be stunning if her mom did it or something like that. Like something like out of the blue, you know? Okay. Yeah. It's like, I've never really thought about the mom in that way. The grandma. Yeah. Because she's always been very nurturing and always just like. And seems very just like truly upset and heartbroken. Yeah, exactly. And it's like every episode has kind of taken one of these characters that you're like, oh, they seem supportive and just like thrown them under the bus. Yeah, And it would just be super satisfying if it's like the last person that you're like, oh, like they're caring in like this like kind of voice of reason. And it's like the final one that he like throws under the bus and you're like, yeah. oh, no, oh, no. Like even the grandma's incriminated. Yeah. yeah. I very much I think it was the aunt, the yeah. one who like was hired a hitman, who hired a hitman at Conway or whatever yeah. her name is. Insane. I Yeah. And who like other people testified like I'm afraid of her. Uh, yeah. But I also think it could be that she like hired someone from yeah. this AA group or mm-hmm. it was someone from the AA group who like lost money, got upset and then just lashed out by killing this woman. Yeah. And I could see it being that way, too. Mm-hmm. But I do think somehow the aunt was involved or knew who was angry with her or yeah. who was like, you know, threatening her. But it's just, I mean, the way that I went from believing thoroughly that it was the father to being like this poor man who is obviously so innocent. And I don't, I never trust men. But in this case, I am like, the police really did just narrow in on him for no reason. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, it's such a mature, developed beautiful yeah. piece from a director who has done nothing it's his Not, yeah, thing this is like, and he worked on it for like a decade yeah I think, and it it's, started it in school it's amazing and it's really inspiring seeing how much meaning he's pulling out of things that really he's using this like beautiful like juxtaposition to pull meaning out of things that don't originally if you're watching it in a vacuum have that same meaning yeah. like it's something i wish the vow would have been brave enough to do. I felt like the vow was, you know, in like crime movies when it's like a defense attorney asks for like some kind of evidence from the police and they're like, oh yeah, we'll give that to you. But it's in like a thousand different boxes. Yeah. And it's like, they just like overwhelm them and they have and to- And they just them. overwhelm you. That yeah, was the vow. The vow. Just, yeah, it just wanted to overwhelm you with information so yeah. that you wouldn't go, wait a second, the guy who's in this like made so much money off of yeah. this whole thing. Wait yeah. a second, he got a deal. Wait a second, he did so many illegal things. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, yeah, in Murder on Middle Beach, you're just like, oh my gosh, how can he think his sister did this? How can yeah. he ask his sister these questions? And his yeah. aunt, and he just goes for it. He goes for it. 
so dedicated and it's just amazing to watch. And I hope it inspires sort of like a future generation of true crime documentaries. Yeah. I don't know. I think they're going to get weirder and weirder as we see more people who have social media and, you know, Mm -hmm. have like access to modern life Mm -hmm. become sort of the focal point of these stories. Yeah. It's just amazing how like unflinching that is. I guess it might be like he has nothing left to lose almost so he can ask these questions because it has become so bad in his family and they've worked it seems like they've worked through so much yeah that they're able to like they've like come through it to some extent where it's like he can ask these questions but it would just be so easy for him to not like to back off on these yeah. questions. it's just i could talk about yeah I'm, i could I'm go very, on all day like very impressed by there- I wanted to be like, yeah, girl, why did you run away to Argentina? I know. Like, ask these questions. And then yeah. he did. And it's just like, yeah, all of this makes sense. Like, okay. Yeah. But yeah, Murder on Middle Beach, definitely. We've been talking about it on the pod, on the uh-huh. watch list. You should watch it if you haven't yet. It's absolutely brilliant. That was all I had for you. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. Anything else you want to add? What should the people out there know? Listen to PA Nation. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Listen to PA Nation. We have new episodes every Monday and we have a bunch of episodes up now. We have great guests. uh, Reese Thomas, who directed SNL for a long time. He created Documentary Now. He's an amazing director. Listen so to his funny. episode. We have Katie Delaney, writer of Rick and Morty. He's John Gabris, of course. Nothing, you know, of course, you know who John Gabris is. Emma Erdbrink, who's an amazing podcast engineer, editor, audio engineer. I think when this comes out, our episode this week is, I think, Rajat Suresh, who is so uh, funny. I love Rajat. I worked with him at ClickHole. Oh, my oh, gosh. Nice. He's the nicest young man. Incredibly nice young man. Delightful. Delightful. you got to listen to the podcast. Listen to PA Nation. What an incredible lineup of guests. Thank you for being a guest on my podcast today. Thank you for having me. And everyone... Be nice to your PAs. Be nice to your PAs, please. Thank you so much to my guest, Cooper Peltz. And just again, watch Murder on Middle Beach. Just, just we talked about it so much. And I know it ended since we had that conversation. And I'll say when I was re-listening to this interview, oh, the double twist at the end. If you listen to that and you finish the show, you know, double twist on who I think it is. I won't spoil it because I do want you to watch that too. So there's your homework. Watch Search Party. Watch Murder on Middle Beach. They take you all the way back around again. And at the end of the day, I just I thought it was the dad again. But who knows? So good. Anyway, if you enjoyed that episode, if you enjoy TV, I say you can rate and review. I love it. If you rate and review, leave five stars. Let me know what you think of the show. If you want to do more than that, you can support us on Patreon. There's different tiers. If you support the Patreon, you can get access to additional reviews. You can make me watch certain shows. You can watch shows with me. You can watch 90 Day Fiance with me and I make fun of it and all that type of stuff. If you want to tell me what to watch, support the Patreon. If you'd like to support the podcast, but you are a person who indulges in TV in perhaps a healthier fashion, you can support the newsletter on Substack. That's ashleyray.substack.com. And if you support that, you get a transcript of the episode. You get early access to the episodes of the podcast. 
And, you know, you get some cool additional TV insights from me in your inbox about three emails a week. So don't worry, it's not too much. But, you know, a lot of options if you want to support the pod. But at the very least, rate and review. Give us five stars. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, a very exciting episode next week. I'm not even going to spoil it for you. I posted a little teaser. So if you saw it, you saw it. But next week's episode, you're not going to want to miss it. Thanks so much for listening. The TV I Say theme song was made by Rafia Santana, and our artwork was created by Chastity Hyman. TV I Say with Ashley Ray. Another episode, another episode of TV I Say with Ashley Ray. Another episode, another episode of TV I Say. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Meet Gail. Her thing is being a supermom, and supermom has a lot on her supersized plate. (laughs) Ain't that the truth. But at Walmart Pharmacy, supermom recently got her whole family updated on all their vaccines. We knocked it out during a grocery run. No appointment. That's Next Level Supermom. From pneumonia to shingles, HPV, and more, get no-cost vaccinations from an expert pharmacist where you already shop. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. Zero-dollar copay with most insurances. State age and health restrictions may apply.